Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, welcome into the show. I am Andre Cherry, and I'm your host of the Cherry Picking Podcast, and this is season four. And we are actually in week zero of the college football season, if you can believe it or not. We are only a few days away from having college football in our lives for months. I mean, we're talking the season starts this weekend, and we will have college football all through January. So that's that's got to be pretty exciting if you're a college football fan like myself. This is the start of the season. This is it's crazy. Like this is the actual start of college football season, week zero. We'll get into some of the matchups this weekend in week zero. But I want to kick this podcast off. We'll look ahead to week one because that's when the lion's share of games within. All of the conferences will officially kick off. We've got a limited schedule this weekend for week zero. But for week one, let's look ahead. And I'm going to just preview the week one action. I'm going to share my week one top five locks within the Power Five Conference. So we'll just kick this thing off. Let's try to get back in that rhythm. And again, I just want to thank you for downloading this show, for listening to this episode. Because we're going to have a lot of fun this season. And I appreciate you following the show. Uh, follow me on Twitter, and then you can follow the podcast and find the podcast in most places where you get podcasts. So let's just kick this thing off. In week one action, we're looking ahead. My cherry-picking top five locks for week one action in the ACC, I'm taking NC State over South Florida. So I am very high on the Wolfpack this season. I'm actually picking these guys to win the Atlantic this season. I'm a huge NC State fan, if, if you know me, if you know me well. You know that, but NC State has been pretty consistent in the Atlantic for the last several seasons. I think this could be the season that they put it all together and win the Atlantic. That would be my dream. So this week or next week for week one action, I'm taking NC State over South Florida. The Wolfpack, they are favored by 18 points in this game, so I think they can win this one pretty easily at home. So their season will start against South Florida in Raleigh, and I'm excited for this matchup. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Wisconsin over Penn State. Wisconsin has lost the last four matchups against the Nittany Lions, but I think this year they're going to break that streak. The last time they played Penn State at Camp Randall was in 2013, so quite some time ago. Both of these teams underperformed in the shortened COVID season last year. Penn State went 4-5. and five. They actually started the season on a five-game losing streak, which is unheard of for Penn State. I think it's been quite some time since that, that has happened at Penn State. I forget the exact uh, date or the exact record there, but I remember when they went on that five-game losing streak, that was a, a big deal. I don't think they had done that before. Wisconsin, we're looking at their program. They actually went 4-3. and three last season but they had COVID issues throughout the season so that kind of disrupted what they were looking to do in 2020 but this season presumably so we're going to have a full college football season so this is a a clean slate 
for all the teams, but this is a clean slate specifically for Wisconsin and Penn State. These two teams are going to be competing at a high level within the Big Ten. Most folks have these teams as chasing the respective leaders within their divisions. So Wisconsin, I think most folks think that they will win the the West. Penn State should be in the mix with Ohio State in the Big Ten East. So this is going to be a, a really exciting game to watch. This is a pretty solid matchup that we're getting in week one, and I'm excited to watch the Wisconsin Badgers beat Penn State in week one action. In the Big 12, I'm taking Iowa State over Northern Iowa. I'm very high on Iowa State, and in fact, I think they will actually win the Big 12 this season. Quarterback Brock Purdy, he returns to an offense that is completely loaded. For his career, for looking at his numbers, he's thrown for over 8,900 yards with 62 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. I expect big numbers from Brock Purdy in 2021 with a full season of play. So he's going to be someone that is a potential Heisman Trophy candidate. He's gonna, His name's going to be thrown out there in the mix this season. He plays at an elite level. He's a very experienced quarterback. And I think on an Iowa State roster that is pretty much loaded, they're going to be favorites, at least in my eyes, out of the Big 12. So I'm excited to see what the Cyclones can do. Now, I'm picking Iowa State in this matchup over Northern Iowa. And for some folks, that might seem like a slam dunk. Northern Iowa, they play, um, they don't even play in D1. They play in the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, a step below D1. And so, FCS to be exact. But I wouldn't sleep on Northern Iowa. The Panthers have been a thorn in Iowa State's side recently. If we look back to 2019, Iowa State beat UNI, but it took three overtimes to get the job done. And if you can believe it or not, ISU has lost to Northern Iowa twice in their last five meetings. So this is going to be no gimme game. Northern Iowa, they get up for these rivalry type games in the state of Iowa. You know, they play really well against Iowa State. They play really well against Iowa. And so this is almost like a, a pretty, pretty significant rivalry game in the state of Iowa. Doesn't matter that they don't play in the same division. These guys some of these guys probably know each other. They played with the, with one another uh, growing up in uh, prep football and high school. So this is very much a rivalry game. I'm very much excited to watch this game play out. And I, I'm excited to see what Iowa State will do to start their season. I think they're going to have a great season in the Big 12. That's my prediction. And so it really begins in week one action against Northern Iowa, home opener. Let's see how they do. In the Pac-12, I'm taking UCLA over LSU. Now, UCLA, they're unranked. LSU comes into the matchup uh, 16th ranked to start the season. So I, I really am riding high on UCLA this season. I think they're going to be much improved. I think they put some things in place to bolster that program. They've, they've got a lot of experience on the roster. The defense is going to have to step up this season if they expect to be competitive and, and to go to a bowl game. But I, for some reason... I just have a feeling UCLA can beat number 16 LSU. Uh, if you can believe it or not, these two programs are meeting for the first time ever, which is crazy to believe. And this is actually LSU's first visit to the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, this is going to be a, a pretty pretty fun game to watch. This is Chip Kelly's fourth season at UCLA. He's the head coach. He's got a 10-21 and 21 record. 
But like I said before, he returns a pretty loaded roster. So I'm excited to see what UCLA can do. I think if they can put it together, they can be really competitive out of the Pac-12 South this season. LSU returns this season after a very disappointing 5-5 campaign last season. Admittedly so, the team saw the loss of like 30 players from their national championship team, which seems pretty unheard of to lose that many players, if I'm being honest. I mean, that is quite a lot of of players leaving due to graduation or or going to the NFL or, or, you know, being kicked off the team. There were some reports of that happening last season. There really wasn't an expectation that they would be as dominant as they were the national championship season. I think a lot of folks close to the program knew that it was going to be a transition year, but that's still very disappointing to go five and five after winning the national championship a season prior. I think this season LSU is going to be much better, and I expect the Tigers to be in the top of the SEC West hunt this season. So this is a team you're going to want to keep your your eyes on this season. I think LSU is going to do some some good things out of the SEC West this season. So that'll be fun to kind of see unfold. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Alabama over Miami. Bama has won their last 19 season openers. And this game is being played in Atlanta where they have done fairly well in Atlanta. I think they're like 5-0 and in playing in uh, in the Mercedes-Benz uh, Dome. So this is going to be an interesting game. Miami is going to be one of the better teams. Or they're projected to be one of the better teams out of the ACC this season. Alabama is expected to be a national championship contender and it's crazy because they've lost a lot of players on their on the roster. They're not as deep. They don't have as many starters returning. But that still doesn't matter for Alabama. They just seem to reload. You got Nick Saban there. So there's high expectations for this Alabama squad this season. These two teams are meeting for the first time since New Year's Day on 1993. So it's been quite a while since these two teams have met. And I was just a young, young cherry picking back in 1993. So it'll be cool to see them have another game here this weekend in week one action. The Crimson Tide are favored by 18.5 points. So that's quite quite a heavy favorite in this matchup against Miami. Miami, they are going to be one of the better teams out of the ACC. And while they return a lot of playmakers, including star quarterback De'Ara King, I think the experience of Bama will be too much for Miami to overcome. I would really be curious to see if I'm wrong there. And if if Miami can keep it close and keep it a ball game, I mean, I think that's a win. I don't think anyone outside of Miami is expecting the Hurricanes to win. But if they can keep it close, I think that is a moral victory. But moral victories don't really count in the win-loss column. So with that said, I'm taking Alabama in the SEC. So let me recap for you guys real quick here. My top five locks within week one action in the Power Five conferences. In the ACC, I'm taking NC State over South Florida. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Wisconsin over Penn State. In the Big 12, Iowa State over Northern Iowa. In the Pac-12, UCLA over LSU. And in the SEC, I'm taking Alabama over Miami. So there we have it, folks. Those are my Power Five locks within week one action. I cannot wait for week one action to kick off. I mean, we got some real, real games happening in the first week of the season, if you can believe it or not. On the other side of this break, 
We'll dive into some of those matchups that you should be watching in week one action. College football is here, my friends. I hope you're excited. I'm pumped. I cannot wait for the season to officially begin. We are actually in week zero action right now. After this break, I'll also preview some of the games in week zero action. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after the short break. Stay put. In 1957, Laika became the first animal to orbit Earth. What kind of animal was Laika? What is the only team in the Big Four North American Sports Leagues which shares its name with one of the Avengers? And here's one more question for you. Are you the type of person who enjoys playing trivia games, learning new things, and having a bit of fun along the way? If you are, or if you just want to find out the answers to those other questions, then our podcast, Quiz and Hers, might be right up your alley. Each week, one of us writes new trivia questions for the other person, covering everything from science to history to pop culture to sports. And every question in a game relates to some theme, like Game of Thrones, internet memes, sandwiches, or animals in space. Some of the themes make more sense than others. So if you like trivia, learning, or real couples testing each other's knowledge and patience, check out our podcast, Quiz and Hers. Quiz and Hers, the trivia podcast where we test each other's knowledge and the strength of our relationship. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. So now I want to get into some of the week one matchups that really will have my interest, that really will be some of the more pivotal matchups in week one action. So I went through my top five list and those are some really exciting matchups. But then there's also within the ACC, we've got UNC versus Virginia Tech. North Carolina comes into this matchup ranked number 10 in the country. And there's a lot of hype and expectations surrounding this UNC squad, and rightfully so. The Tar Heels are, are really good. They are led by quarterback Sam Howell, who is poised to be one of the top passers in the country this season. However, this season opening road matchup against Virginia Tech is going to be a huge test for head coach Mack Brown and his Tar Heels. This is actually the first ACC road game to open up UNC's season since 2005, where they lost to Georgia Tech. The Tar Heels are 0-7 in their last road season openers. So in their matchups to be to start the season, those games on the road, they are 0-7 for their last seven matchups. So that's pretty crazy stat. You know, there's a lot of expectation there in UNC. Virginia Tech doesn't have the same high expectations. I mean, Virginia Tech has, has usually been a pretty solid squad in the ACC, and this is still going to be a tremendous test for North Carolina. Many folks have them pegged to win the ACC Coastal this season. Hell, I even have them pegged to win the ACC Coastal. I hate UNC. I'm an NC State fan, so I can't root for the Tar Heels, but I am rooting for the Tar Heels and NC State to meet in the ACC Championship game. That would be spectacular. I would love NC State to beat, to beat the brakes off of the Tar Heels. So, I mean, that's wishful thinking, but let's not get too uh, too far ahead of ourselves. We've got week one action, UNC versus Virginia Tech. This is going to be a really, really exciting matchup. 
Then we've got number five, Georgia versus number three, Clemson. There are high expectations for both of these teams. Now, I know I just told you NC State is my favorite to win the Atlantic. Clemson is right there. They're going to be in the hunt all season long. I mean, this team is is going to be legit. In Georgia, I mean, there's expect, expectations for them to win the SEC this season, to win the SEC East. So these two teams are going to be vying for the title in their respective conferences this season this is a premier college playoff type matchup that we are all lucky to watch during week one of the season i mean this is legit now i'm excited to see clemson post trevor lawrence post travis Etienne. i want to see who this team is um you know now that those those players are in the nfl and travis Etienne actually had a season ending uh, foot injury the other day so i i uh Hope that young man can recover. He is a tremendous athlete, and I hope he has success on the NFL level. That's a shame that he is out this season, from what I'm reading online. But you know what a what an athlete he was. One hell of a college football player for Clemson. So you know I'm, I'm wishing them well in the NFL. But this is going to be a new team, a new feel. You know, some players have have left the program, have, have graduated or gone on to the NFL, like I just mentioned. So what will this team look like now that they are kind of a, a new a new beast? Like we just don't know how they're going to actually play, uh, you know, and we'll see in week one what they look like. So I'm picking Georgia in this contest, but whoever loses this matchup will still have plenty of time and games left to still be a legitimate national title contender come December, January. So that's going to be the premier matchup in college football in week one action. I'm, I would assume that college game day will probably be at that game, I would think, but I could be wrong. Another matchup that I'm uh, excited to watch is Temple versus Rutgers. I, I know it's not exciting. I know it's not uh, a marquee matchup, so to speak, but I'm excited to see what Temple and Rutgers will do in this game. I'm excited to see who they are. Uh, this is a matchup of old Big East rivals, so I'm really looking forward to watching this game to see how they look, how how they have uh, progressed since the COVID season last year. Rutgers coach Greg Schiano, he's in his second season back at the program. There are some folks excited for the future of Rutgers football yet again. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to bust down the doors of the Big Ten this season, but they will be a more competitive team in 2021. Greg Schiano is not going to be embarrassed. He's a quality head coach, and you know he's not going to allow his teams to be embarrassed this season. I'll just say it like that. Temple, they were a very solid program in this region for years. But last season, the Owls went 1-6 during that rough COVID season, like I mentioned. Expectations surrounding this program are, are low. But again, Temple was the premier destination for kids who lived within this region this philly you know new jersey region because these programs i think are only separated by like 63 miles so it's very very close so the players that temple are recruiting the same kids ruckers are recruiting so you know you know this is uh this is a really important game for this area and i'm not saying Temple's going to win I, i don't think they will win this game but it just it means a lot for this region, and I'm excited to see what these programs will look like in Week One. Temple's got a bunch of players on the roster who have transferred in, so I'm excited to see how those players perform and, and what this team looks like. But uh, it really starts this weekend. 
in week one action. Temple versus Rutgers. I'll be watching that game very closely. Then in the Big Ten, another marquee matchup. We've got number 17, Indiana, versus number 18, Iowa. I'm really high on Tom Allen's Indiana Hoosiers squad this season. This is a big-time Big Ten matchup, and I'm going to be glued to this game. Some players to keep your eyes on for Indiana. You got QB superstar Michael Penix, and you can't forget about my man, wide receiver Ty Freifogel. If this young man doesn't have an endorsement deal with McDonald's or Burger King or some sort of burger restaurant, they're doing it wrong because that is that is a very unique name. Ty Freifogel. Ty Freifogel. That is quite the name. He is quite the playmaker. Indiana, I'm projecting them to actually be runners up in the Big Ten East race. And so we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and dive into that. But, you know, those are some matchups. Week one action that you should be watching. It's going to be a fun weekend of, of college football. I am pumped. I cannot wait. And so now I'm going to segue into my predicted conference standings you can find these on my twitter you can find them on my website cherrypickingsports.com real quick here i'm just gonna read off the projected conference winners and and division winners so we'll go ahead and start here in the sec east i'm taking georgia and then i think florida missouri will finish second and third respectively and the SEC West, Alabama will win the West, followed by Texas A&M. Then we've got LSU. In the Pac-12 South, I'm taking USC, Utah in second, UCLA in third. In the Pac-12 North, I'm picking Washington to win the North, followed by Oregon, then Stanford. In the Big 12, I am picking Iowa State to win the Big 12 Conference, followed by Oklahoma, then TCU. In the Big Ten West, I'm picking Wisconsin to win the West, followed by Iowa, then Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. In the Big Ten East, I'm taking Ohio State to win the East, followed by Indiana, then Penn State. In the ACC Coastal, I'm taking UNC to win the Coastal, followed by Miami, then Virginia Tech. And in the ACC Atlantic, I'm taking my boys, my dogs, my Wolfpack, NC State followed by Clemson, and then Boston College in third. So those are my projected, predicted conference winners. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and if I'm right in any of those areas. So we'll just have to stay tuned this season. we got a, a long season to go. But that's just my preseason predictions for how the conference standings will shake out this season. And then real quick, I'll read you my Notre Dame projections as well. So if we look at Notre Dame, I'm actually predicting Notre Dame to fall to 7-5 for the 2021 campaign. Last season, they finished off 10-2, so very, very good finish. This season, I think they're going to face some roadblocks here. So we're just looking at their schedule. Notre Dame, they should beat Florida State. They'll beat Toledo. They'll beat Purdue. But then they've got a stretch of about five games here where I think they are going to fall. So we got Wisconsin. I think that's a loss. At Cincinnati, going to be a loss. Cincinnati is a really good team. At Virginia Tech, I think that's a loss. USC loss. UNC loss. So they're going to go 0-5 in that stretch. You got Wisconsin at Cincinnati, at Virginia Tech, USC, then UNC. I They may be lucky 
to go maybe one and four in that stretch, but I just think that they are going to falter this season and they're going to go 0 and 5 during that stretch of games. They will rebound at Navy. That's a win. At Virginia, win. Georgia Tech, win. Stanford, win. So that's my prediction. I think they're going to go 7 and 5 in this 2021 season. If you're a Notre Dame fan, let me know if you agree with that, what your thoughts are. But that is my preseason projection for how Notre Dame will finish this season. Now that we've gone through all the games for week one action, I've given you my preseason conference standing predictions. I just want to read you some other news and and other headlines that have been kind of happening within college football this season. So if you've been following the news recently, you know all about the ACC Big Ten Pac-12 Alliance announcement that was released and, and a few days ago, and I'm going to read this from ESPN, written by Heather Dinich. The Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 on Tuesday announced an alliance that ultimately aims to stabilize a volatile environment throughout college athletics by collaboration on weighty issues facing the industry and agreeing to create a future scheduling partnership. So the scheduling component for football and women's and men's basketball will begin as soon as practical while honoring current contractual obligations, but the decision makers involved said the alliance was not driven by revenue. So there's no contractual agreement between the three leagues as far as it relates to this alliance. There's nothing in writing that prevents them from poaching each other's teams, but they created this partnership to lessen any incentive for that. So they created this alliance so that that would limit the potential for one of their teams within the respective conferences to be poached by another conference. And there's a quote in this article that says, and I quote, it was a moment in time for three new commissioners to be able to come in and say, this has a chance to really be a volatile time. ACC commissioner Jim Phillips said, I think we all know the history of expansion after one leads to another leads to another Very rarely has there ever been a domino that's fallen that hasn't knocked over a few other subsequent membership changes. We had some friction among two of our really important conferences that make up the Power Five. And so to try to get some stabilization, to try to work through the next several years in a way where we collectively can work together is so critically important, end quote. find it interesting that the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC are joining this uh, alliance, but there was no mention of the big 12 getting in on this action i mean the big 12 is looking like it may implode unless they can find some other teams that want to join i just i just think they as he said it's a volatile time but the big 12 seems to be at risk for disbanding even further or so it would seem so i'm really curious to see what they're going to do since they're not in this alliance, but only time will tell, I guess. The presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors at all 41 universities unanimously supported the alliance, according to a news release. While there are specific topics they agreed to tackle together, including the future structure of the NCAA, social justice and gender equity issues, the future of the college football playoff, and more, the actual news was more abstract than that. So... It'll really be interesting to see what's going to happen. This is certainly in response to Oklahoma and Texas bouncing out of the Big 12 to go to the SEC. They created, the SEC has created 
kind of the first super conference. And so this was in response to that. And we will see how it changes the game in, in the landscape of college football and college athletics overall. I'm really curious to see what what's going to happen with that. But that was big news that came out uh, just this week. And it uh, it seems like we are headed for change within college football. The landscape changed very rapidly with the announcement a few weeks ago that the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns will be joining the SEC. And so it's just crazy to see what's going on with college sports right now. Certainly with the name image likeness, you know, that, that has changed athletics for the better or worse, depending on how you view that. But change change came pretty pretty quickly and I'm sure there's more change to come. I am curious to see what's going to happen with the Big 12. But as of right now, they are still a conference with Oklahoma and Texas uh, included in that. And it'll be interesting to see if Texas and Oklahoma decide to bounce out to go to the SEC early. I know there's some contractual agreements there, but if they really want to go, they can make the uh, monies that they would owe disappear fairly quickly. So time will tell, my friends. In other news, we've got LSU requiring anyone attending Tiger Stadium this season who is 12 years of age or older to provide proof of vaccination or negative COVID-19 test taken within the last 72 hours. So the school announced this on Tuesday of this week, the week that I'm recording. So LSU uh, became the first school in SEC to outline such a policy, and they are citing a rise in COVID-19 cases and this highly transmissible Delta variant. Louisiana has been one of the state's hardest hit by the Delta variant and COVID, uh, rising COVID uh, cases. So LSU is taking all the necessary precautions to ensure that fans and its players and everyone around that program remains safe, which uh, you can't fault them for that. I think that's a pretty, pretty good thing to do, uh, pretty responsible thing to do. So this policy will go into effect on September 1st, which is right in time for LSU's home opener against McNeese State. Anyone younger than 12, they won't have to show proof of vaccination. They won't have to show proof of a negative test, rather. But masks will be required for children between 5 and 11 years old and encouraged for those younger than 5. I know it's the SEC, but are you bringing a kid younger than 5 years old to a college football game? Especially in the SEC, that seems rowdy. But uh, that's crazy. So according to the CDC, only 50.3% of adults in the state of Louisiana have been fully vaccinated. And that's a rate among the 10 lowest in the U.S. So you got to give it out. Shout out to LSU, the program for requiring that proof of vaccination. Because I think if you are a huge college football fan, you love the LSU program, you want to go to a game. I think, you know, you would want to feel like you're safe. To go to the game, I, I think this should help, and we'll. I'll be really curious to see if other teams, leagues, other conferences uh, decide decide to do this same strategy, use the same strategy of, of requiring a negative test or showing your vaccination card. So they certainly won't be the last team. So I'll be curious to see, you know, who else adopts this strategy. And then the last thing that I want to get into before we adjourn for today before I wrap this episode up. So we've got the Big Ten. They announced 
earlier this week as well on August 23rd that there's going to be a COVID-19 forfeiture policy saying that conference games would not be rescheduled if they are unable to be played on their scheduled date. So the Big Ten released a statement and it it reads, and I quote, in collaboration and communication with the Big Ten Conference athletic directors, chancellors, and presidents, the task force for emerging infectious diseases and the Sports Medicine Committee, effective today, the conference has determined that if one of its member institutions is unable to play a conference contest due to COVID-19, that contest shall be declared a forfeit and will not be rescheduled, end quote. So Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, he came under a lot of heat from a lot of Big Ten fans for his handling of the COVID-19 season last year. You know, if you recall, he initially canceled the season and then they came back a lot of people were very upset that they were going to potentially cancel the season. So he didn't really do himself any favors in his first season as the Big Ten commissioner. I'm sure that was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure for everybody, but specifically for Kevin Warren, where you're taking a lot of heat because a lot of people didn't agree with that policy. You know, here comes another policy in regards to COVID-19 that could impact the game that could be something we're talking about later this season God forbid Ohio State has to cancel a game God forbid Michigan or Wisconsin Iowa they have to cancel games this season due to COVID-19 and they're not able to remake those games it could have an impact to how the standings shake out this season and so we saw it last season Wisconsin had one hell of a time seemingly to play games last season because of COVID-19 issues. I'm not saying that we will have cancellations. I'm just saying they announced this policy. I'm really curious to see how it shakes out because last season was crazy. And so if there's any cancellations, that new policy has gone into effect saying that these games will not be rescheduled. So we will, we shall see how things go. Hopefully everybody stays safe and healthy and we won't even need to have to worry about that policy. Okay, and before I go, I did tease in the beginning, it is week zero action, so this is going to be a kind of expanded podcast, and I'll just real quick go through the week zero matchups. We've got six games to be exact, or I'm sorry, we got five matchups to be exact within FBS football. So first game, Nebraska versus Illinois. This is going to be a pretty pretty good game to watch if you're a, a Big Ten fan or a fan of these programs. Last season, the Fighting Illini snapped a four-game losing streak to Nebraska with a 41-23 victory in Lincoln. So that's crazy. Illinois usually doesn't win in Lincoln, Nebraska. They haven't won in Lincoln prior to last season since 1924. 1924, that's crazy. So they snapped that losing streak to Nebraska, four-game losing streak. So Illinois, I mean, it's it's a new-look Illinois. Head coach Brett Bielema, he returns to the Big Ten in his first season at the program. Expectations are low, but this roster is stacked with experienced players. So if he can send Illinois to a bowl game, I think that would be a huge win for this program, especially in his first season at the at the controls. It I'm not gonna I'm not going to make a prediction about them making a bowl game this season because you know, he's a new coach. He's going to have a new system, a new way of doing things. So I, I really don't know what this team will look like. But I will say it, his schedule is manageable enough to make a bowl game. 
if he can get the most out of these players. Like I said, it's a pretty experienced roster. I'm just not going to put my neck out and say he's going to go to a bowl game, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I, I could see them making a bowl game with their, their schedule that they have. It's very possible they could they could go to a bowl game. So I'll leave it at that. For Nebraska, on the other hand, certainly there's always high expectations for the Cornhuskers, even though they may be unrealistic. Head coach Scott Frost, he's hoping that they can really turn a tide in that program this season. Can they have their first winning season since 2016, which seems crazy. That's so long ago. They went 9-4 and four in that season. It's crazy that they haven't been relevant. They have not been relevant in the Big Ten. And I, I, I will tell you, I was one of those people who thought Nebraska would come to the Big Ten and they would be successful. I did not picture them playing so poorly as they have. I mean, they have been an afterthought. To think that they'll ever get back to what they used to be, the the glory days of Nebraska football, I I don't think that's realistic anymore. But if they can just go to a bowl game, I think that's a win. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. They play a very tough schedule. So in my opinion, I I think they're actually going to finish towards the bottom of the Big Ten West. So, you know, Scott Frost's seat is probably pretty pretty warm. It's warming for sure. This would be a very good win for the program if they can get it to gain some sort of momentum in the Big Ten. But, you know, I think they're going to have one hell of a season. I think both of these teams are going to probably be towards the bottom. But I think if, if I'm looking at Nebraska versus Illinois, I think Illinois has a better shot of going to a bowl game than Nebraska. I'm just being honest. Uh, Nebraska right now they're favored by seven so it's going to be a close matchup for sure then we've got Fresno State versus UConn Fresno State are big time they're big time favorites in this game they're favored by like 27 and a half points Fresno State should roll UConn easily in this matchup but it will be interesting to see how the Huskies come back to action this season after sitting out the entire 2020 campaign due to COVID precautions so they set out the entire season Last season, their season, air quotes, consisted of 25 practices with three to four weight sessions each week. So these these kids are going to be big. These Huskies are going to be real big. But can they play? That'll be the question. Can they play ball? We'll see. Fresno State is highly favored in this matchup, so I doubt they will. Then we've got UCLA versus Hawaii. The Bruins should roll big in this game. UCLA is 3-0 versus Hawaii all-time. Then we've also got UTEP versus New Mexico State. UTEP is favored by 10 points. New Mexico State, they only return three starters on the whole team, which is, seems quite low. They return no returning starters on defense. And did you know, because of COVID policies in New Mexico, the Aggies went 415 days without being on the football field. During the spring, they were able to get 35 practices in and two games instead of just 15 practices. So their head coach, longtime head coach, Doug Martin, treated those games like ex- exhibitions. He played everybody. Just saying that makes me wish I still had eligibility. Like, I guess I do have eligibility. I'm not in college, I'm grown. But if I went back to college to play ball, I would try to maybe walk on to New Mexico State and just see if he'd play me and see if I can uh, make a run at this uh, college career that I wish I had, but that's crazy. Yeah, UTEP should handle that game pretty easily, but it's just crazy that New Mexico State is really lacking on the experience there and that the head coach played everybody to see exactly what he had on the team. Good luck to uh, New Mexico State. 
Then the last uh, FBS game of the weekend of Week Zero action, we've got San Jose State versus Southern Utah. San Jose State is favored by 22 points. The San Jose State Spartans exceeded most people's expectations by going 7-1 last season. This is head coach Brett Brennan's fifth season here as a head coach where he returns 19 total starters. So this team is pretty loaded. I expect the Spartans to roll big in their matchup against Southern Utah. I think they're going to be a, a team to look out for this season within their conference. So there we have it, folks. That was my week zero preview. It's crazy that we've got college football coming back this week. I feel like we've waited so long for it to come back, but it's finally here. So we've got week zero action this weekend, followed by week one action during the Labor Day weekend, a long Labor Day weekend. I hope you enjoy it. Hope you stay safe, healthy, sane. Hope you spend it with your friends and family. Hope you socially distance yourself if you uh, are feeling kind of ill or if you've got the COVID, you certainly want to be alone. But at any rate, I just hope that you guys have a great college football viewing experience for week zero action and week one action. I look to talk to you all after week one action ends. So we'll preview week two is my hope and intent. But I I thank you so much for downloading this episode. I really appreciate it. I can't wait for this season to kick off. Thank you for following me. This is week zero, week one action. This is season four of the Cherry Picking Podcast. Thank you for being a follower. Thank you for being a friend. And thank you for listening. Hope you guys have a good one. Take care. I will talk to you soon. Peace. But I am rooting for the Tar Heels and NC State to meet in the ACC championship game. That would be spectacular. (laughs) Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.